Transition Awareness Breathing. Feeling grounded for both children and parents is essential for healthy living and learning. Join Eartha Powell on this series for tips and tools for creating a harmonious environment for learning. Transition Awareness Breathing will help you and your child find an individualized path to tackle change, promote lifelong learning, and discover new approaches to calmness. Stop playing around. Are we really aware of what we're saying when we tell our children that? In Transition Awareness Breathing, I teach children and parents about relaxation breathing, awareness, mindfulness, and even neuroplasticity. I use games, crafts, puppets, and even storytelling to help the children grasp complex concepts and theories. Welcome to Transition Awareness Breathing Podcast. I am so happy you are joining us today. Today, we have a special guest. But first, I would like to thank Web Talk Radio for allowing me to have a platform to bring this educational information to you. And I would like to thank my producers, Mary Lou and Sam, for bringing this information and packaging it up for you to listen to wherever you're at. Let's get back to playing around. When I teach transition awareness breathing, as I said earlier, I use a lot of playful games and tools. And the children do very, very well. I don't think that they would grasp the information as well if I was using a traditional classroom setting where they're sitting in their desk and, you know, writing on the board. I think I would lose them. But that's just my opinion. I'd like to introduce a special guest I have this morning. She's going to talk to us about the importance of play and the importance of play in children's development. I'd like to introduce you to Aquilia. Am I saying your first name all right? Aquila. Aquila Weatherton. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Mrs. Weatherton is a licensed professional counselor for children and adolescents. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Mrs. Weatherton. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, As Mrs. Powell said, I am Aquila Weatherton, and I'm a licensed professional counselor. I have been um, providing counseling services to children and adolescents for about eight years now. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I went um, to college at the University of Texas of San Antonio, Mm -hmm. and my um, master's degree is in community counseling. Why did you get into counseling? I've always wanted to be a counselor. Ever since I was in middle school, I can remember like, oh, that's what I'm going to do, like I love just talking to people and trying to guide people through different issues. And I'm a social person. So I'm like, oh, this is the perfect job for me. I just just knew it. (laughs) I was wondering, were you the one in the class that people came to and they would uh, bring all their their uh, problems to when you were? I was. I was that person. (laughs) (laughs) And so that just kind of prompted you to, did you explore what you wanted to do when you grew up or how did that work out? It was, it was just always, I just knew always like a a counselor, that's what I'm going to do. But then I kind of had to work on the population that I uh, 
wanted to choose and go into because there's so many different kinds of populations uh, that you can do with counseling, uh-huh. like marriage or just counseling men or women. But I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, no children and adolescents. That's my niche. How did you find your niche? Um, I was at a battered woman and children's shelter and I worked with the um, children and adolescents there. And it just, it just warmed my heart. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is definitely my passion. This is the population that I'm definitely meant to work with. Mm. A lot of people wanting to talk to you there, I bet. Mm-hmm. And so you've been doing this for about eight years mm-hmm. with with children and adolescents. Did you have to go through some kind of internship or something? I'm not sure. I did. That. I okay. had to, yes. <laughs> I had to do 3,000 hours of, mm-hmm. yes, of internship. And you can't um, complete it in less than 18 months. So you have mm-hmm. to, for 18 months, complete these 3,000 hours. That's a lot of hours. Wow. Yes. Yes. And then even before you get to those 3000 hours, you had to do a practicum and then you had to do an internship one and then an internship two. Wow. Yes. And now you have your own private practice. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually, I contract with, um, with someone. It's oh, their I practice, see. but I, I just contract with them. So I, I am see. essentially my own boss. I just, yeah, yeah I'm under them. So, so you deal mostly with play therapy. What is play therapy? That's the natural language of children. So it's, um, it's therapy with children and adolescents. I even do some play therapy with adults. Like you'd be surprised. And it actually, oh. yes, it gets me a lot of places where they can't go um, verbally because sometimes mm-hmm. people may have a blockage and they're not ready to go there yet. But mm-hmm. again, play is natural. Mm-hmm. So it, it flows a lot smoother and it takes, takes that pressure off. How do you figure out what games to, to play? I mean, do you have a playground or like in, when I'm teaching, you know, I call it tap transition awareness breathing for short. Yeah. I have a, the different games for whatever concept I'm trying to help them understand. Like for instance, for breathing, I bring in the bubbles or feathers, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. But how, how does it work when you're, when you're doing like counseling? How do you figure out what games to use? It's, um, I'll uh, talk to the parents and I'll kind of figure out like, okay, like what do you see? What's your perspective that you feel that the child is dealing with? And even I'll start off with um, child-directed mm-hmm. counseling. So that means that the, whatever it is that the child needs, I focus on them and I watch the themes of their play because a lot of times children have themes in their play. Sometimes I may have a client and their thing is like fighting all the time with little army figures, or I may have a a child who's always nurturing the doll. Mm -hmm. So I just pick up on that theme and then I go off of that. So it'll be structured or unstructured. So if it's more structured, then I'll pick a game and like, okay, we need to focus on, on this subject. So Mm -hmm. this game will be great for this. Cause I also do some bibliotherapy where I'll read a book to the client and, try to figure out what's going on through the book and have them talk about the book or even draw a picture. So it just, mm-hmm. it just kind of depends on the client. You just have to read them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does trust have anything to do with the type of games or the amount of openness they're willing to share? What kind of games they want to play? Oh, definitely. The client definitely has to be able to trust you. And with, with play therapy, you have to let that client invite you into their space because mm-hmm. I initially, I just sit and I observe the client 
And then usually the client will, when they feel comfortable and they trust me, they'll invite me into their play and they'll invite me into their space because I don't want to intrude. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm, I'm here for you whenever mm-hmm. you need me to engage. You're familiar with my son. It was, uh, goes at like a hundred miles per hour at first. <laughs> you know, I, I shared it. I just want to share, you know, when you have a child who is going at a hundred miles per hour as a parent, you feel very guarded because, you know, when you're in the grocery store, your child is zipping around or being loud. And so you always feel like, Oh boy, can I get in here? With, can I come and go without any kind of drama? And so, you know, when you start um, going to counselors for people who who are there to help you, it's, it really catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. And and so building that trust is so Im- important. And even getting the child to someone is very hard because you're so used to being on guard, you know. Mm-hmm. For children who are like zipping around and, and can't settle down, how do you manage these, these kind of children? I mean, like their space is every space, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> That's the thing. how do you deal with that? And that comes in, um, just again, like with teaching some boundaries mm-hmm. about that space and being non-judgmental because mm-hmm. children, they, they can feel that they can read yeah. that from us. So just being patient and allowing the child to explore, because again, like even with the kids who are, a hundred miles per hour and all over everywhere. And that's, there's a reason behind that behavior. Mm-hmm. So just being patient and non-judgmental and being with the child, being present, mm-hmm. it, it helps them to develop that trust. Mm-hmm. So you, you play games with adults? I do play games with adults. And I also do something called sand tray with adults. And sand tray. Yes. I'm like, oh, sand tray. That's my baby. That's, I oh. love nurturing sand tray. Yes. Huh. What is that? It's um, where you present the client with different miniatures mm-hmm. and then you just um, you have a, a tray filled with sand and usually the bottom's blue and the sides are blue to kind of mm-hmm. represent like water and the sky oh. and land. Mm-hmm. And you have all kinds of miniatures just set out just from dinosaurs to tiny people to coffins, skulls, wow. anything that... Mm-hmm they may see in, in real life. And then you just ask them, Hey, can you create your world for me? And that's mm-hmm. all the direction that I give. And mm-hmm. I just observe them as they create their world. And then we process it together. Mm. We've talked before how important it is uh, for relaxation. Cause sometimes anxiety really does interfere with a, a children or anybody's progress in anything sounds like a relaxation technique almost that Mm -hmm. sand play, you know, with the water and um, the sand, it seems like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It it definitely can be relaxing for for Mm -hmm. some individuals, but again, you have to kind of meet that individual where they're, where they're at, because sometimes there may be a trigger, even whenever Mm -hmm. someone's creating their world and Mm -hmm. maybe an object and they're like, Oh, this tiny bed was a trigger for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's important too with sand tray. You have to, make sure and observe that client and watch their face and watch their emotions and again, mm-hmm. be present with them mm-hmm. and feel that energy. Something that is reoccurring when I, as I'm talking to you is acceptance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and meeting, meeting that client as where they're at. 
it seems mm-hmm. like that is a very strong um, element in your, in your practice. Is that, oh, am I on, on to anything? Yes, that's definitely, that's definitely accurate. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard for people to, to gain that, that acceptance. I know when I'm teaching, um, and you know, I don't do therapy, you know, I'm teaching relaxation, breathing, awareness and mindfulness, you know, to, to help with coping. And I'm trying to help the children have tools. So when they feel themselves getting accelerated, they have a tool that they can use to bring themselves back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I could tell you uh, the acceptance part is a very challenging skill to teach. And I know, you know, with, with the children that I teach, they're very young, you know, first grade, second grade, third grade. And I know that's probably in their developmental pattern, trying to be accepting. Um, like when I have them do crafts, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll comment on each other's work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's kind and sometimes it's not kind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so sometimes we, we, it's okay because we can generate a discussion on that. That's, like you say, some, you know, use different games and, and crafts and, and then you build a conversation. You say you, you deal with adults. So what's the youngest child that you can work with as far as play therapy? Three years old. That's the youngest that I was okay. three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are parents involved in the play therapy as well? Of course the parents are involved in um, the therapy sessions. Um, as long as the client is ready for the parent to again, come into their world and engage in their space, then mm-hmm. I love when parents are able to come in and engage in the play therapy session. In these current times, um, you know, we've had so much going on, so much, so much change. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, COVID-19 impact and all kind of protests going on now right. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any change as far as, stress levels and and people or or having to address loneliness or stress what what, what have you seen I, I've seen lots of anxiety oh, okay and a lot of my clients about the COVID and about masks and mm-hmm. being safe and is my parent going to be safe because I do have a lot of clients who their parents are in the healthcare profession so uh-huh. that's mm-hmm. definitely affected them and even a lot of my kiddos with, with school, since they don't get to have that social interaction anymore, a lot of them have been having some depressive symptoms mm-hmm. because of COVID. So it, it's definitely difficult mm-hmm. during these times. And how, how have you adapted your practice in seeing your clients? I have been, yes, I've been doing telehealth sessions. Okay. And it's, it's different, but I'm getting, I'm getting used to it though. Yeah. Because it is hard because I'm, I'm again big on like being in tune with emotions and reading mm-hmm. body language, and that's somewhat difficult to do mm-hmm. during a, a Zoom session. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is going to change your practice in the future using the telehealth uh, platform and Zoom? Is that, got, or do you think you know after this is over, quote over, mm-hmm. you know everything will go back to quote normal, whatever that means? Yes. Yeah. I, I think that this will stick around now because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are getting used to it and they're like, okay, this, this is easier to do sessions through Zoom and mm-hmm. I'm fine with it because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm adjusting it and adapting to it as well. But I definitely think that 
telehealth this is something that will stick around from mm-hmm. here on out. Mm-hmm. It's something that uh, was certainly unexpected. You know, I I, I was um, talking um, with someone, and I and I <clears throat> told you know with school. This, it was, I know it was Zachary's teacher. You know, if if a, if a a school was um, his school, you know, didn't have teleeducation on their on their radar at all, you know, and then here we go. Everybody is doing teleeducation, you know, right. <laughs> and and I know that for some people, for some children, it's been very difficult. Yeah. And um, so, but it's so wonderful. It, it's just my opinion that services like counseling and speech therapy. They've also adapted along with the children, with the clients, so mm-hmm. that you can still be supportive and they can still get the sessions that they need. Right. Do you have any words or anything you'd like to share for maybe a family or parents who might be thinking, you know, you know, we've been thinking about it. We don't know anything about counseling or, or what, what, what kind of words would you sh- share with? families or parents who might don't who may think they need help but maybe they don't know Mm -hmm. um i would definitely i always encourage individuals like yes counseling it's it's great like go into it it's a a space because you know sometimes we need a different kind of sounding board we Mm -hmm. need someone who is unfamiliar and won't be biased in a, a situation that we can sit down and talk to and share their opinion and support us and to teach us and to guide us. And I always tell uh, parents too that remember that research has shown that play is, it's effective. It's an effective way for children to learn. So play is, is so, so, so important. And even with mindfulness, I always tell clients too, how mindfulness has also been proven to uh, help for um, depression and anxiety better than medication has. Mm, wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, the, these things are definitely important. And it's, we can teach children coping skills and how to manage different kinds of issues that may occur. I think sometimes play gets downplayed. You know, I think sometimes children get restless and so they make noise, you know, and I think that's a signal that they want to go out and that they need to go outside and play need, oh, they need to go out and play. <laughs> oh yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I think sometimes we get so wrapped up in our busyness that we don't allow the children to have playtime as much as they need it. Right. What do you think? Yes, I definitely think that um, as parents, we have to encourage play more often and allow our kids to, to, to have that and enjoy play with them. Because, again, play does so many things for our children. It definitely mm-hmm. helps them with um, different developmental stages. So being with that child, again, that helps even with that trust for the parent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what kind of things, Some maybe some three items with, that you would highlight the, that helps children as far as play? Name three things. Oh, yes. It, uh-huh. The creative expression and social skills, the cognitive development and mm-hmm. the um, gross motor. So, yes, that's why I'm like, oh, play is so, so important. Even sensory Mm-hmm. Math skills, problem solving, like even we're like, oh, with play, they're just playing with play doh. Like, oh, we're yeah. problem solving. Look, they're putting this together, even mm-hmm. with the Legos and building. Mm-hmm. 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 
everything you can't get in the classroom. I mean, classrooms, even, but, you know, even classrooms, what if the classrooms are designed, you know, for play? It's still different. What do you, don't, don't you think it's still different than if they're in the classroom? Yes, I, I do still think it's different from whenever they are in a classroom because again, too, whenever they're doing play therapy with the therapist, it's, it's child centered and it's more directed towards them. They're the ones who get to lead. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that get to lead, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like the instructor guiding, the teacher guiding. Right. Um, you know, we, they still need time limits, you know, cause it's not a, at school, you know, it's not a play date, but if you have a play date, then they're guiding and they're being the, they're getting a chance to be the leader. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe coming up with the games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should be really aware of as parents and as teachers of when we say stop playing around. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause we have to remember that's their language. That's them speaking to us. That, that's their language. Mm-hmm. I like that. That's play is their language, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what, what, what alternative thing can we be looking for? If someone is being like overly, they can't turn it off playing around. Mm-hmm. Um, even just some good grounding techniques, some relaxation techniques, and even having the child, um, like with bubbles or balloons or blowing out flowers, smelling flowers, blowing out the candles, smell the flower, and some mm-hmm. different structured activities with the play whenever it's that time where we're like, okay, it's, it's not playtime right now. Or we need you to calm down and not even saying it's not playtime, just saying, hey, can't, let's be with me. Be present with me mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And just touching them gently on the shoulder or on their leg. Mm-hmm. Just like, okay, be with me. And like, well, hey, can you look around the room for this? And because kids, they, they're easy to redirect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just coming up with different, different, different kinds of fun activities for them. Thank you so much, Mrs. Weatherson. Um, I really appreciate your, your expertise and uh, sharing really uh, the importance of play and play therapy and the availability of it for families. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'd like to thank my audience for tuning in this time. And I look forward to talking to you next time. <laughs>